Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, steezy.digital and realnurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox Podcast. My name is Jeffrey Broger, founder of Steezy Digital and RealNurture.io, and I'm honored to have Jesse Zagorski on. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. I'm honored that you pronounced it correctly. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and where you're from? I am a broker associate with uh, eXp Realty from San Diego, California. I have been a broker, I've been in real estate about 16 years. I have been a buyer's agent, a listing agent, a probably answered the phones at the front desk, clean toilets. You, I ran my own company for 14 years. You name it, I've probably done it in the world of real estate. That's awesome. And I noticed that we have over 500 mutual LinkedIn connections. Do we really? Um, yeah. I, and uh, I saw your Cardiff photo on your website, yeah. like that yep. first photo right over the bridge. So yep. I grew up in North County, San Diego between Vista and Cardiff. Oh, and nice. I, I know the Encinitas area very well. So, yep, it's always great to connect with local real estate professionals. And whenever I connect with someone in the real estate space in San Diego, we have like a thousand connections. <laughs> if, and if you're lucky, you will hear the yeah. Encinitas Coaster Station train blaring its horn while, literally while we're doing this podcast. So I'm, my, my office like out that window is on the, uh, the Coaster Station tracks right there. Amazing. Well, yeah. what got you into real estate? Uh, my mom did actually. So I got into real estate when I, I was living in New York, working at MTV, I did marketing for yep. them, had a background in economics and was moving back to San Diego. My mom had been, my dad had been in real estate for 30 years off and on. Mm -hmm. My mom was working full-time in real estate. She was super busy, beginning of the internet, like exploding with real estate and leads. And she said, why don't you get your license and join me? That was 2004. And that was, the rest was history. That was that. That's awesome. Yeah. I was doing a little research prior to the call and I noticed that your mom or at least someone with the last name Zagorski was on your <laughs> Zillow profile. And I was like, Hmm. And I, it, I clicked and sure enough, she said, uh, she'd been doing this since 1977. And I was yep. like, all right, I wonder if that's who got him yeah, into it. It's, sure it's, enough. It's my mom. That's how I got into it. So I was, uh, I mean, she was, my parents have always run their own business. They've been very entrepreneurial. Yep, mine too. So, yep. Yeah. So, right. So you just grow up with that. Are you an only child? Or do you have no, I, I have three older sisters actually. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I, yeah. So I was an only child, but so were you having older sisters? Did you grow up still like hearing about your parents' businesses and entrepreneurial stuff? And, oh, and all yeah. That? And helping them with their businesses, like yeah. in there to help them with little admin stuff. Or my mom actually had a motorcycle tour company that she based out of Cardiff and I would help wash bikes and for like five wow. bucks a bike as a, you know, 10 year old, um, just helping out, you know, just That's that so was, cool. yeah, it was what I grew up with. So. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so, I mean, growing up in that family, just when you have an entrepreneurial family, I feel very blessed because it gives you a framework to see the world where you are, it's just, it, business is normal. And so my mom got full-time into real estate. Yeah. Her and my dad used to flip houses in the, uh, in the seventies in San Diego. Wow. Like before it was cool, before anyone knew about that, it was like their, their jam back then. And they got into it full-time in the early two thousands. Uh, my mom didn't, she was just super busy. She sold like 40 some odd homes her first year as a solo agent by herself. And awesome. She was just slammed and she's like, I, I need some yeah. help. So that was, it was just kind of just one of the things where you wake up one day and you're like, okay, now I'm a realtor. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Now, now, let's, now and, let's learn how to get business. Let's learn how to market. Let's learn all the other good stuff that goes with it. Right. 
And that brings up such a good point. So when you become a realtor, now you have a million hats, right? You are a, like legal counsel essentially for your clients. You are doing marketing, you're doing lead generation, you're doing sales, you're doing all these things. The purpose of this podcast is to distill down the most important actions that a real estate professional can take in order to actually achieve success in this business. So my question to you, Jesse, is what's the single most important action you take on a daily basis, which attributes most to your success? The single most important action, it's going to be mindset. It's going to be what Ooh. I do to get ready because anyone can tell you what to do in real estate, but yep. getting yourself to actually do it is because you don't have a boss, right? Like it's the joke I always yep. make is if you work for someone else before you fire your boss and you wake up and you suddenly realize you're working for a crazy person, right? And it's you, like you're, it's you. congrats, you're <laughs> self-employed, right? So, yeah. so for mindset, it gets you ready, not only to do the things you need to do, but when you expect better results, I found throughout my career, when my mindset was right, things go well. Mm. It doesn't always go well hundred percent of the time, but it goes a lot better than if my mindset is, is not right. So what I do on a daily basis, I have a morning routine, work out, meditate, right? Uh, cold, cold shower. There's things that I do that like, that's probably the most important thing I do every day. The morning routine. You yep. know, you'd be surprised. Uh, I've done a few of these lockbox podcasts yep. so far. And the, a common answer for that is mindset, which it's so important. I mean, Tony Robbins talks about it. He says it's 80% mindset. 20% mechanics, right? Totally. That's, that's what success is all about. And so if you're not getting past those limiting beliefs, if you're waking up lakes, you're not inspired, you're not clear in your goals, you're not doing the morning routines that really light you up and activate the warrior within and gain clarity on everything that's important to you, like nothing else is going to matter, right? You're going to show up 50% on everything throughout the day. And you're really just not going to see the sex, success that you deserve and that others deserve you to be, right? You need yeah. to become that person. So I love that answer. And yeah, I, I live it, you know? Can I ask you a question though? Sure. So out of all these you've done so far, what has been the most surprising answer you've had to that question? Okay. Well, I think that I was initially more surprised about the most con the consistent mindset response, but really no surprising answers. That okay. one, it's either mindset or it's a KPI. Right. You know, it's like make the phone calls. Like, why are you worrying about your TikTok background? Like, make phone calls. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, because, so because your TikTok background matters, Jeffrey. Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's been the focus is like, right. what one thing, you know? And um, I, I like that. One of them was about referrals too, which actually brings me up uh, another great question. What percentage of your business is referral? And then what is new business? At this point, I'd probably say, we're 50% referral, 50% okay. lead gen. We used to be even heavier or lower percentage referral because we have a lot of new lead gen that always comes in. It's kind of how I'm wired was just to spend more time and money generating new leads and just going and converting those right. as opposed to nurturing the, uh, the relationships we have. But as I've been in the business longer, even without trying to nurture the old relationships we have, it's just by default, you do enough sales, you're going to start spinning out more, more referrals. Absolutely. So since then, have you focused on putting some systems in place to increase the amount of referrals that you get? Yeah. I mean, we've always had some bare bones systems, but we're, I'm really trying to be more conscious just through mainly social media and the things we yeah. do there to, to, I wouldn't say automate, but to stay consistently in front of the people that are your past clients in your sphere coming from contribution. We do a lot of it though, still offline. That's what we've always had just a, a US mail newsletter, a, a month a month email 
we have a, uh, when someone closes a transaction, I use a service called iJungo. And if, have okay. you ever heard of iJungo Concierge? No. Oh, dude, this is a great one, especially for people in higher price point markets. If you have a lower price point, you got to be a little more cautious as to what you spend per closing. But right. uh, for, I think it's like $149. I think that's the package we buy, $149. They put your clients on a campaign for three years of multiple cards a year, three gifts a year, and it all comes branded with your name on it. Like it looks like, like I get calls from our past clients. They're like, thanks so much for the brownies. I'm like, cool, you're welcome. Or thanks for the candies. They were delicious. I'm like, yeah. I have no idea what we sent you because we set that up two years ago and it's still running on autopilot. Right. So there's systems like that that we use that that help. Awesome. That's that's really good news. And you know, using automation, using things like that to stay in front of people, like you said, with, with more authentic types of touches, I believe that's so important. You know, for my clients, I put in those different buckets of retargeting and I could, I literally retarget a video of one of my clients with his daughter sending her off to college because that's heartfelt and I'll retarget their past customers with it because they're like, oh, Aaron and his daughter, whatever, you know what I mean? So, and, and that stuff, it's crazy because it's so much more shareable and right. it's so much more human, but you're still getting a touch. It's right. very ninja, right? You're not having to do a market report every time. Well, that's the thing. And, and your whole goal is to drive conversations. So you're automating right. the portion that then will drive a conversation later. That part, yeah. I'm not trying to automate the conversation. I want to have no. a conversation. Like I want people to yeah. call me and say, thanks for the chocolates. Or if someone messages back and says, oh, I saw the video of you and your daughter going off to college. I love that example. It's you're automating the portion to get you up to having a, a conversation, which is what you want. Yeah. Exactly. And you're top of mind. I always used to think about that when I was even just promoting events in college using Facebook to do it. And I would think about, okay, this event's coming up. I've really been hitting my sphere hard on this event. Totally. I should probably give them a touch that's like not about the event, but it'll be from me. And they'll remember then, oh, he has that thing coming up. Right. Right. So it's that kind of philosophy. It's the indirect. So um, where do you think the industry is heading? You know, with Tesla reinventing the car buying experience, I bought a Tesla. I put $2,500 down on my credit card online. They assembled my car. And three weeks later, I showed up, filled out paperwork in under 30 minutes and left. So with did, all did the you show up there? Or did, they, did, they, did you show up there? Did they bring it to your house? I showed up to the dealership. They can See, do the drop off. Right. Because that's what I did. So I bought it. I bought a Tesla too. Here, look at us nerding yeah, out. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Like, no, but like, I, dude, you go on your app, you purchase it. It's, and it's amazing. It's at your house and they just drop it off. <laughs> So that's the car buying experience, right? right. And that's the future. I, f I firmly believe it. It's amazing. I love right. Tesla. Shout out Elon Musk. You're doing a great thing. What about Zillow? What about iBuyers? What about the home buying experience, right? So many agents fear this and there are so many mixed reviews. Zillow just took all your past sales off of their platform, right? And they, they're making moves to become a brokerage, which is no secret to me, but people are surprised about that. I don't know how. And so with that being said, where do you think it's going five, 10 years out? And what are you doing now to prepare yourself and set yourself up for success? So are those agents surprised or are they just fearful and mad? Because there's a dip, right? Because there are some people who are surprised. It's like, how are you baffled by yeah. this? But, but being fearful and mad is different. And so it yep. depends on where you're going to put your energy. There's mm. zero changes you can make coming from a place of fear and anxiety. If you look right. at Zillow and think they are the 800 pound gorilla, which have much larger budgets than what individual agents have. So you can't compete at that level. I think mm -hmm. you have to compete on a different game. Will Zillow dominate the industry? I don't think so. I think there's still that one-to-one -one consumer relationship. And if you look at the way social media trends, there are hundreds of influencers that have massive followings that are significantly larger than any corporation because the corporation is a faceless entity and people still want to connect with people. So what I'm focused on is creating that hyper-local connection 
which is where mm. most of the agents that if I'm coaching or training or talking to anybody else, that's one of the things we're talking about is how do you separate yourself and create that hyper-local presence and that deeper relationship that no Zillow can replicate. Dominate. Let's dive into that. So, you know, what are you doing that's so different from anyone else in the industry that you know of? I wouldn't say I'm doing anything that's different. It's putting it all together, right? There, there's okay. nothing that like I R&D rip off and duplicate with the best of them. So, <laughs> so it's, it's not like I'm sitting around making up these strategies being like, I'm going to do this wacky thing and no one else has done. It's just taking it going deeper. So staying in front of people okay. consistently with video, right? Doing things offline for your, your A clients, getting hyper-local in terms of real, real knowledge uh, about a small market area and delivering right. that information to clients. These are things that it's all about consistency. It's nothing revolutionary. It's just doing it consistently that I think creates the difference. Yeah. I love that. Going deep on existing systems that others might dabble in. Oh yeah, that works. You know, I'll throw that up there once every month or whatever, but no, you're consistent, actually providing value, going hyper local. I love that. So I will give you a short story. So I had an agent on our team today say he just got a lead um, like a good solid, they're going out shopping for properties out of Snapchat. Okay. How many agents do you know get in business out of Snapchat? None. Okay. And when he first started telling me he was going to start doing this because he loves Snapchat and he's, and he's, you know, and I said, okay, dude, like, can you actually generate business? Like, I don't know, but I'm just going to start being consistent. I said, cool. So his strategy was every time he goes to do a showing, either gets there a little early or stays after and he puts something on Snap. Like he's just, he's building his awareness with his sphere who all happen to be on Snapchat and they're old enough and have enough resources now where they're able to purchase homes. And right. it's really interesting to watch that it's not a competitive landscape because it's within his circle and that's his jam. And he's, I guarantee this will be the first of more that start to come out of this now after a right. little bit of consistency. Right. And that's very interesting. You know, I had about two years ago written off Snapchat and then when TikTok came up, same thing. I mean, if right. I'm looking at it from a media buying standpoint, if I'm looking at it from, I want to get my clients ROI, I'm looking at the demographics and throwing those platforms out. Right. I'm just saying, Hey, this is tweens and early twenties. They're not buying houses. If you get one, it's going to be a total freak thing. And maybe they referred their parent, but right. like that, that's it, right? If we're looking for direct response, if we're looking for actually getting in front of people, let's right. choose some other platforms. And I would kind of guide my client away from that shiny object that yep. is so easy to go follow. But that's really fascinating that now Snapchat you know, you fast forward just two years, just two years. And all of a sudden those 23 year olds are 25 year olds. Yeah. And then if that's the median, now there's some early 30 year olds on there. And so all of a sudden Snapchat's converting. So exactly. And I don't know if I would go deep in it for like a paid traffic scenario. Yeah. But when you're talking about developing these relationships, some of it does come through organic means with a smaller, it's, you're going to work a much smaller group of people, but that's okay. It's the want, it's the quality, not the quantity of the relationship in this particular case. And I think yeah, that's, I agree. How you, that's how you out Zillow Zillow. And I just thought of something. The best CRM is the one that you use, right? right. So the best social media platform for real estate gen lead generation is the right. one you're going to use. So that's if it. you're already on Snapchat and you have friends on there, right. whatever, keep doing it. You and, know? That, and that's where he was and that's where his friends are. And so that's why it worked. I was like, dude, bro, and because he loves it. Like if you love it, it's going to make a difference too. Like people who yeah. love TikTok, Cool. Keep it. Like, I think TikTok is amazing. I love it as a creative platform, but I yep. don't spend a lot of time creating videos. It feels like work. And so I don't right. think I'm ever going to go deep with TikTok versus like, if you really love it, great. Like rock it, mm -hmm. but at least know strategically what you're doing and make yes. sure you're, you're putting out consistent content with a, with a plan. Yeah. So with that being said, 
what's your most profitable lead generation source? I'm excited to ask you this question because you mentioned that most of your traffic early on was from new paid. You came from a marketing background at MTV. Right. So then I'm sure right when Facebook ads came out, you were on it. And, you know, I'm sure that you've been all over this stuff. So it's going to be an exciting answer for me as a media buyer to hear. But, um, <laughs> you know, what's been your most profitable lead gen source other than referrals, uh, obviously? Phone numbers on the bathroom wall. I go to a lot of public bathrooms, what? even through, even through oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you built up the answer so big. I thought I had to like give you something shocking. Yeah. I don't know. As a, yeah. no, uh, as a, no, as a media, I'd say these days, it's not going to be shocking. It's just retargeting the existing leads I've purchased mm. over the last five years, right? It's serving content and re retargeting through those leads. Because when I first started buying leads in this last round of business, so I, I took a year off life, uh, 2013, 2014. I don't know if you knew that, but I moved to Thailand. So Awesome. I, I lived in Bali two, last two winters. Yeah, dude. All right. We got to talk yeah. about that offline. So, so I, uh, I lived in Thailand. We, we spent two months in Bali, but, um, I sold houses from Thailand, basically hung out for a year, came back with more money than I left with. And <laughs> when I, when I came back, it was 2014. And, uh, I started buying leads mainly at that time from realtor.com and mm -hmm. was buying, you know, 20 grand pretty quickly ramped up to about 20 grand a month in lead spend with realtor.com, which is not in the world of realtor.com is actually not that big, but not it's yet. big enough but it's, it was big enough at the time and the cost per lead was lower back then. So mm -hmm. the ROI was fantastic. But then over the years, the ROI started getting less and less. So taking these, the Facebook, I was always dripping on doing some Facebook ads, also PPC, Google PPC ads, and just building up this database of leads that at this point, just retargeting them and looking at the people that come back to re-engage for searching. That's probably the best ROI for anything that okay. we have because the cost per lead was so low that continued budget for retargeting. I mean, other than a a past client referral, which the ROI is off the charts on. Yeah. It's something other than referrals. Yeah. Other than referrals. Yeah. That's something that's scalable. It's marketing to our existing database. I love that. And by the way, anyone listening, if you need help, you know who to call. Jeff at Steezy Digital. We do all that stuff. Jesse's busy with his own brokerage. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, really don't, don't call me to do that. But that's, that's what I love about yeah. you. You're, you're such a knowledgeable person when it comes to executing a campaign for that, right? Like it's- Thank you. You need to find someone that knows- You what need that guy. Doing. You do. You need that guy in your brokerage. If it's not you, you need someone to help you do it. Yes. Most agents should not be that guy. Yes. Or that woman for that matter. Right. right. Gender non-specific. Gender non-specific. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You need that guy or that gal in your brokerage, either me or someone else similar or yeah. someone on my team. But and, yes, and, it's, and it's I, critical. But I didn't set, you didn't set me up for that answer because we're friends or no. because I know your company. Like that's just, that's where the money is these days. And if you want to go right. upstream, if, I don't know if you've talked about that on this podcast, but that's what we talk about in a lot of masterminds mm -hmm. I'm in. As a lot of us were really reliant on Realtor.com and Zillow and getting consumers at the point where they were about to transact. Bottom funnel. Bottom funnel, right? So top of funnel, right? So moving, when I say upstream, top of funnel. Moving top Same. of funnel, that's mm -hmm. where it's at. That's re un Until the game changes so much to the point where there may not be as heavy need for realtors. And if that happens, we all need to go find something else to do anyway. Right. Like right. let's just say Zillow becomes a brokerage and well, Zillow became a brokerage. Zillow continues brokerage. That, that way and they give away all brokerage services for free just to have people use Zillow loans. I'm just making up a scenario. Right. Yeah. There still would be a market even in that scenario for agents, but now we're really shifting the nature of what it fundamentally means. Like, how do you compete with someone who's not charging anything? Anything. Then yep. we gotta get creative and do something else at that point. That's a different ball of wax. Right. But the concept of fishing upstream, I pitch this all the time because it's true. If someone online says, I'm going to buy in six to 12 months, a lot of agents say that's a bad lead. I say, 
Shame on you. Right. They just said yes, and there aren't 15 other agents vetting for their attention right now yeah. because you're the first one who got in touch with them. You generated that lead six to 12 months out. Put them on a drip, stay in touch, and guess what? They're going to have so much loyalty to you by the time they do get to the bottom of the funnel because you've been dripping them with value that you're going to be the only option. Well, that's it. And it's even more than someone who says six to 12 months. What about someone who says 12 to 18 months or doesn't yeah. give you the real name, right? Or you yeah. call them. I mean, you pick up the phone, you call them and they're not expecting a call. And they're like, I didn't put that information in. That's not me. Yeah. And you argue with them and you go, no, of course it was you. I know it was you. No one's stealing information, <laughs> putting on a home site. What are you going to do? Back them into a lie and like, how is that going to help anything? doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you just know they're early on. They're really, really early. They don't trust you. They weren't expecting a call. I think it's a fantastic lead. Even the system let it drip, let your marketing do what it needs to do. And yep. they'll warm back up when they're ready. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. He he was not given a script, ladies and gentlemen. That I was, was his truth. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but that's what's making money right now. That is, but the problem yeah. with that is it takes a little bit of time. It's yeah. a good thing because your return is so much higher. But the bad thing for most agents are they want the magic bullet today. They want the system that's yep. going to go out and get them business that's going to Either they have run out of their money and their back is against the wall and they need to make money in 30 to 60 days, or they're just impatient. And they want to do it now, but those systems don't, they're just not as profitable as they once were. That's right. And that leads me to my next question. What advice would you give to a new agent, someone who's looking to either start growing their team or maybe double their transactions next year? You know, what advice should they focus on? And then what advice should they ignore? All right. Two different categories. We got growing a team and double their business. So we'll do double the team first. Okay. Double their team. I would say do it before you're ready. Mm. And what I mean by that is I know so many people that they're running a really good real estate business as a solo agent and they're starting to max out of their time and leverage. But if you truly want to run a team, it's a different skill set than being an agent. Yes. It's really more like being a business owner and there's never the right time to become a business owner. You just have to jump in and do it and then pivot and adjust and figure out. And I'm not saying to, to scale big and go spend a lot of money, but in a small way, you just have to, if you're trying yep. to figure out what to do, you just have to jump in and do it. On True. the double your business side, the advice would be look at what worked last year, unless you're brand, brand new, in which case it's different advice, but look at what, what worked last year and see, is there a way you can scale that up? First place I would look, can I scale it? If you're maxed out in time, maxed out in money, that source doesn't scale because it's referrals and it's hard to scale referrals, right? Like then we have to add a new source. But most people as agents are like ADD squirrels. And it's like, they do this thing that's working and they're like, well, I'm going to try this other thing now too. And that's working a little bit, but let's go try this other thing now. Instead of just picking one thing and doubling down. I really think right. most of my friends that are successful, that's what I see is they double down on, on what's working. That's great advice. And is there anything they should ignore? Any bad recommendations that you hear given and you're just like, oh man. Bad advice. I would ignore. No, actually, I don't hear a lot of bad advice because okay. I think most strategies resonate with everybody or rather mm. resonate with somebody. So I think the only mm. bad advice would be trying to do business in a way that's not you, right? There's so many different ways to make money in real estate. There's so many ways to serve your clients. And I think following a strategy because it worked for someone else instead of looking at what your natural skill sets are and where you're at, that would be the only bad advice to ignore would be if there's not a one size fits all approach and you're going to have to probably try a few different ways to till you figure out what works for you. Yes, I completely agree. That's really good advice and something that I think a lot of people need to hear because although there is a lot of great information out there, 
And a lot of realtors, I love this community because a lot of realtors share from the heart and they really want to help. And they're in a total abundant state of mind and they're in a non-compete, even if you're right down the street. But with that being said, their sauce or their cup of tea might not be for you, right? right? That not, might not be your best strategy. And so right. trying some things. And then when you find something that does work, it does resonate and it feels effortless, that's what you double down on. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now you're going to have me thinking later, I'll, I'll DM you. I'm trying to think what bad advice have I heard lately? I'm sure I heard something stupid, but I can't think of it right now. All right. Well, <laughs> you seem like a guy who's good at saying no. And I mean that as an absolute compliment because you can only say yes to so many things, right? And so what do you use? What's your methodology or your process for saying no to something? So it's funny that I strike you as a guy who's good at saying no, because I had to learn that skill. I'm actually st still learning that skill. I'm a yes to everything. You want to do something? Yeah, sure, I'll do it. let's do it. Yeah, yeah yes. No. <laughs> so what is my process for saying no? I have a post-it attached to my monitor that my wife had me write down. My wife is a therapist and okay. I get coaching from everywhere, including my wife. I'll take it from anybody. And awesome. this post-it says, Will it make my life easier? Question mark. Will it save me time? Question mark. Like once you get to the point where you're pretty busy okay, and you hit that phase, that's the filter that I'm looking at everything through is, will it make my life easier? Will it save me time? If the answer is not yes to both of them, I'm probably going to pass because I get excited about, I mean, you're probably like this too, dude. I get like yeah. so many projects. I'm like, let's do this and let's do that. And every time I've done that, it doesn't produce the results I want when I get laser focused mm -hmm. and I make sure it all supports a single goal things go a heck of a lot better. So true. And that honestly segues perfectly into this. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? And if you do, if you have a million things going on, you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what questions do you ask yourself to get you back on track? I often feel overwhelmed. And I think most <laughs> entrepreneurs, I, really, I do. I think it's a very natural entrepreneurial thing because if your goal is to grow and you're in that growth mindset, you're looking for that edge. And once you find that edge, you're like, oh, this is, that's a lot. This is too much. I get a lot on my plate. So I've embraced the fact that when I feel overwhelmed, that's a good thing. That means it's like, mm. okay, I've, I've hit my limit. I know what's going on. And then my process is to back out and figure out whatever my high level goal is, whatever project I'm working on, whatever the overarching, like, okay, I'm committed to this goal. Does it serve that? And then I start just cut things away. And I go through this process, like at a pretty big level, few times a year on a smaller level, probably once a week, right? Looking at, I'm doing it now. I'm looking at my calendar, all the things I have recurring on there. I create a lot of content. I do webinars and like, okay, which of these are still serving? Can we shrink some of these things down? What is useful? That's my process for the, for overwhelm. For overwhelm. I love how you say you reframed it. In sales, reframing is, is not everything, but it's a big part of it. And your power to reframe overwhelm from being a negative into a positive is really important. Said differently, if you feel nervous prior to public speaking, but you reframe that in your mind as excitement, right. then when you're about to go publicly speak and you feel those butterflies, instead of shutting down, you can be like, okay, I'm about to go deliver a talk. I was invited to speak here. I know more about this topic than anyone in the room. Right. Obviously, I'm going to crush it. And you can totally change your experience with it. And so I love how you said, I just reframe it. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I mean, it's been a process. It's been, it's been a process over the years. And I'd never used this analogy before, but do you, you ever see how a sculptor would sculpt from like a big block of, mm. of rock and they chip away little pieces of it? I feel like- I can't say that I have. Okay. So, so if you go check out a YouTube video that would pick anyone, I'm talking like old school sculpting where they took like a giant block of something and he would come with a chisel and they'd take little pieces off, take little pieces yeah. off. Um, that's what I feel like I've 
create in my life. I create the chaos, which just looks like this big block of stuff. And so they'll take stuff away, take stuff away, take stuff away. Ah, that okay. feels better. And then like, oops, took away too much stuff or the nose fell off. I got to put something back on. Like, <laughs> that's really how I, how I kind of visualize my time and my projects and, and my, my calendar. Okay. I love that. And I have a random question for you. Go for it. What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? An unusual habit or an absurd thing. I can give you an example while you think. Yeah, what's, what's I, have your... this, I have this thing called a sub pack. Uh-huh. The sub pack is like being at the front of a festival or concert right in front of the subwoofer. So you can listen to any song. It's a backpack that you wear and it hits you like you're right in front of a speaker. I love music. And so... <laughs> Talk about like getting into state. You know how music can just yeah. instantly switch your mood. This takes it to the next level. And that is it was so like, cool. it was like under $300. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. All right. That's great. Very cool. I'm going to go check that out as soon as I get off this yeah. podcast. That is so cool. All right. An unusual habit or a, I, I got one actually, because this is, I think this is unusual these days. Um, All right. My wife and I bought a sauna at the beginning of COVID. Sweet. We bought an infrared sauna. And so it's, it's like 3000 bucks. So it's expensive, but not crazy. It right. fits in our garage. We still park a car in there. And every single night we hang out in the sauna, right? And then I take a cold shower. That's my, I think it counts as unusual habit, right? And that's awesome. And did you do that before you heard the Joe Rogan podcast where he talked about how saunas were important? No, I actually never even heard the Joe Rogan podcast about <laughs> saunas. <laughs> I, I had another buddy who turned me on to, I mean, it's go, becoming a thing, like it's going around, right? So, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's, I'll go listen to the Joe Rogan one. I just, uh, it really does feel amazing. It's great for your mindset, for your health. Dude, I've, it's been, I'm hooked. So like when, on nights when we don't do it, I'm bummed. Oh, wow. It's that big of a ritual and you've yeah. really, you've really gotten used to it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it is absolutely a very solid habit. And it's, uh, it's the sauna plus the cold shower after that. Just like, I feel great. And then I sleep good. It's awesome. I love that. Well, I'm curious. You seem like you read a lot of books. I do. Uh, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life and, and your career? I have a book over here. Hold on this book. So game changers. Um, have you read this one? No, but I know who Dave Asprey is. Yeah, Dave Asprey, host of the Bulletproof Podcast, wrote this book yep. called Game Changers. I would say in the last year, it's one of my favorite books I've read because he took hundreds, if not thousands of interviews he did, and he did like a meta-analysis, and he looked at the top themes that popped out of all of his, uh, all of his interviews. And he was, his, it says, what leaders, innovators, and mavericks do to win at life. And so mm. he asked questions a lot like what you're asking and looked at all these really high producing people from different industries and looked at common right. themes. It's so good. It's like listening to hundreds of podcasts in a single book. So <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah. love that. That book is fantastic on a sales. Like I'm a sales nerd. I love the book right. called the like switch L I K E like switch Jack Schaefer. Have you read that one? No. Like switch is a, give is me a, some great ones. Yeah. Like switch is a sales training book. That is probably, I never thought you could teach someone how to be likable. Like I just thought they had it or they didn't. You could absolutely take someone who's like a three on a scale of 10 and make them like a seven or an eight. Someone who's a seven or eight, make them a 10 in terms of likability, like a social wow. butterfly. It's really cool. It's like the guy recruited spies for the FBI and also okay. worked on hostages. And that was his job was to build rapport and to like have people like him. And he breaks it down scientifically. It's really I cool. Love, 
I love those books written by like CIA hostage negotiators about negotiation and, you know, you apply it to sales, but it's written by some just absolute best in world human. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Those two. And then when I was living in Thailand, still one of my favorite books, kind of like life development, the rise of Superman. Have you read that one? Oh, wow. I have not read any of these. Yeah. I love it. So the rise of Superman is a fantastic book that talks about flow state and getting in the zone and it takes extreme sports athletes. So really cool stories. If you like big wave surfing, base jumping, stuff like that. I'm in and all that. Then alternates chapters of brain psychology. Very cool. Wow. Oh, well, I'm going to read all three of those. No <laughs> joke. I, I love personal development cool. books and, and yeah. things like that. And I haven't read any of those. So oh, I so appreciate good. it. Yeah. Is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you would like to elaborate on from earlier? Um, nothing to elaborate on, but question you should ask me, you should ask me what I think the most impactful book that other human beings should read would be. How about that? Okay. Jesse Zagorski, what is the most impactful book that you think other humans should read? Well, Jeffrey, that's a good question. I would tell them to read the book called Abundance Okay. by Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamandis. So all mm. those other books I love, they're really enjoyable. And this isn't even my favorite book, but whenever I meet a really interesting human being or someone like with great abilities, I right. say, please go read this book. It'll, you know, most people say the world's like crappy and getting worse. Well, this, most people, I don't. Right. But a lot of people do, right? The world's yes. crappy, it's getting worse. This book takes the opposite approach. It says we have all the resources we need to solve every one of the world's problems today. It's just it's not going to be easy, but we can do it both from you know, food, the environment, water, all these sort of factors. We can crowdsource information. We have the resources. It's a really cool book to get you thinking about the possibilities. Nothing mm. to do with real estate in any way, shape or form. That's but I okay. still love just turning people onto it. And it's a highly recommend that one. I love that. That's personally my mindset, abundance, positivity. I believe that we are the golden generation that's set here to develop our future and shift us back on the right track. And I have these super positive outlooks on life and I'll say this to people and they're like, wow, that's a really positive outlook. I have never thought of it that way. You know, cause <laughs> they're, they're like the doom and gloom and like this right. is reality and you know, fear-based media from the news and like this and that. And I'm just like, I don't even pay attention to that stuff. If it's important enough as a social current issue, someone will tell me in my sphere, like, Really, if it's that important, if it's something that is going to really drastically affect my life or, you know, a wildfire in Carlsbad or something like that, like I'm going to hear about it. I don't have to sit there every 15 minutes and get a negative dopamine hit from the news. So that's my little rant on it, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I agree so completely. And, and it's funny because I, I argue with some of my friends about, you know, how dialed into the news you need to be. I'm like, I stopped watching the news a long time ago. You hear, yeah. I still know all the important things. I know we had an election, right? I know someone won. I know someone lost. Yep. Like, it's like, you should still find out these things. It's not like you never hear it. Right, exactly. So that's that. But I really appreciate you coming on here and yeah. just being real, having some great answers. How can listeners contact you? Jesse is with a Unique Brokerage, as some of you know, and he can actually have a team pretty much anywhere, but you know, I'm going to let him make that invite if he wants to, but how can people get in touch with you? Dude, if they just have questions about anything we talked about, they're more than welcome to reach out for anything. Uh, easiest way is going to be probably Facebook, Instagram. I am under my name, Jesse Zagorski, Z-A-G-O-R-S-K-Y. I mean, 
I can give them my cell number. They can come tap on my window at two in the morning and just like send me a carrier pigeon and be like, hey, hey Jesse, no. But Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, uh, easiest way. Awesome. That sounds great. I'll have his links below wherever you're watching this across the interwebs. Once again, Jesse Zagorski, he is a top real estate broker in Encinitas, California, running a a lean but mean team and helping agents everywhere with his coaching. I mean, look up, it's still called Agent Power Huddle, right? It is called Agent Power Huddle. You did the music to it, dude. You you did the music. So if you want to hear some of the music, speaking of music that Jeffrey does, our theme song for the Agent Power Huddle, it's a daily training that we do Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Pacific, you know, 11 o'clock in the East Coast, agentpowerhuddle.com. There's a different trainer every day. Some of the top speakers, trainers, coaches in the industry jump on there each day. Someone new is training and you can hear the theme song written by Jeffrey, which is pretty cool. That's right. Written by yours truly. Yes, yeah, I have a music production background and I help Jesse with his <laughs> jingle. <laughs> and I'm still so grateful, dude. And it, and if you watch the recorded version, it has your name and it says credit to you. So thanks, man. It was awesome. Yes. And if you guys listening need more than musical help, you need digital media help, don't message me, message Jeffrey, because he's the man for that. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it, Jesse. Thanks for being here. Of course. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.